everybody. This is the return here of Talking Sports with Evan. I uh been out the last last week. Um haven't done a show in a while and uh first want to start off the show by saying a thank you to um all of those on behalf of myself and you know my family who has shown support uh over the past several um weeks. Uh especially the past week and a half as my you know my father did um did pass away, and that's why I did not have a show last week. I was trying to do one last Thursday, and I just did not feel up to um, doing the show um, due to, you know, just I wasn't ready. But here today, I'm ready. Lots to talk about. I, from Since the last time I brought you a show, Devontae Adams has been traded to the, uh, the, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Marquez Valdez-Catlin is now a Kansas City Chief, and the Packers have a very thin uh, wide receiver room. They did re-sign Devondre Campbell. They did re-sign uh, Rasul Douglas. Um, they re-signed Robert Tanyan, which are all great moves, but at the end of the day, their wide receiver room is pretty thin. You're led by Randall Cobb, um, Lazard, and Amari Rogers, who didn't really do much at all his rookie year, and obviously there's some work to do. So I'm going to kind of give my thoughts on the wide receiver room and what I see the Packers potentially doing. And if you're list, if you're watching the show live, I would love to get your thoughts. Who should the Packers bring into the wide receiver room? We've seen um, DK Metcalf's name thrown around, um, Will Fuller's name thrown around, um, Tyler Lockett's name thrown around. Who do you want to see in the Packers wide receiver? Who do you want to see them? Um, I'm talking veterans. So obviously there's some people we want to see them draft too. But for the veterans, for veteran receivers, who do you want to see the Packers bring into the wide receiver room? I'm going to touch base on that and give some thoughts to comments that Matt LaFleur made earlier this week about um, what he says he needs in the wide receiving room. And I'm kind of curious on, on that a little bit too, because in the past, um, in the past, Matt LaFleur has not really commented too much on roster uh, decisions and situations, aside from, hell yeah, we want Aaron, Aaron Rodgers back. But he's getting pretty vocal now on what he specifically wants on this roster. So I'm going to kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, Milwaukee Bucks, they defeated the Philadelphia 76ers last night. It was the battle of the MVPs. Um, who won that battle? I'm going to dive in. Obviously, Giannis won that battle. Um, but I'm going to dive into that a little bit and talk some uh, some bucks and my concerns going into the postseason. I know I've been one most of this season saying just relax, come playoff time. That's what we got to worry about. But there are some concerns I have. And I'm going to kind of di- break down a little bit what those concerns are and what they kind of need to fix in the uh, the playoffs and in order to repeat, and if I think they can. And give some Milwaukee Brewer predictions. Do you have some Milwaukee Brewer predictions? How many wins do you think the Packers will ha- I mean, the Brewers um, will have in 2022? I'm going to give my some predictions on that and what I expect to see out of the Brewers this season as well. And WrestleMania. I don't talk. I, I am a. I do like and enjoy professional wrestling. Um, I'm not as big of a fan as I used to be, 
but I do get up for the events like WrestleMania. And WrestleMania is coming up, and I'm going to give my thoughts and give my, my fears on something that could happen at WrestleMania as well. Um, but with that, like I said, I want to thank you all for watching, listening, streaming, whatever, however you're w- listening or viewing Talking Sports with Evan. Uh, podcast will be posted a little later today or a little later tonight after the show. Anywhere podcasts are found, you can get it. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Spreaker, you name it, you can find it. It's out there pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, you can listen to this show and any other show that I've done in the past is also there as well. Talking Sports with Evan is where you find it. So we're so going to start off with the current the current state of the Packer wide receiving room. I did mention in my intro that right now they have Randall Cobb, they have Amari Rogers, and they have Lazard. Pretty much it in the wide receiver room. Yeah, you also do have Malik Taylor and uh, Winfrey as well. I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't really have anybody (laughs) that is going to really strike fear in opposing defenses right now, the way Devontae Adams did, and one healthy, believe it or not, the way MVS did. Um, MVS was a guy that could take the top off the defense. Um, you had to worry about him. Yes, he had injury issues. Yes, he had some consistency, consistency issues catching the football. But at the end of the day, you had to account for what MVS brought you. Um, I guess the first thing is I'm going to kind of – I didn't get a chance to kind of give my reaction to um, – to Devontae Adams being traded. I was, like most, taken by surprise. Um, Usually, you know, you hear rumbling about it possibly happening, and you didn't hear anything about Devontae Adams being traded until it happened. Um, Even with Tyreek Hill, it came out about an hour or so before he actually got traded that the Chiefs were looking to move him, and the Dolphins moved very quickly to get a deal done. Apparently, the Packers and uh, the Raiders were in conversation since the Saturday before the trade happened. And like Green Bay, typically very close to the vest, the Raiders close to the vest in this situation as well. And Devontae, the trade gets negotiated and done um, without it leaking to anybody um, at all, which which was quite surprising because, like I said, typically these type of this type of information with these type of names and Avante Adams, typically it gets leaked out early that this is possibly going to happen. But th- th- somehow it got through to the league office to um, before it got leaked out at all. It didn't get leaked out until it was basically done. And the Packers getting a first and second for Devante, I think, is you know to be expected. Um, I know, I know the Chiefs got a lot for Tyreek Hill. But you're also looking at, you know, a guy a little bit younger, too. Um, and maybe the Packers are a little bit more desperate to move Devontae for the fact that he was uh, counting $20 million against their cap. And they couldn't do some of the moves they wanted to do unless Devontae signed an extension, which obviously wasn't going to happen. Um, or they traded him. And so maybe Green Bay was a little more desperate to get something done um, than the Chiefs were. So the Chiefs could kind of be more picky. And the Packers likely won't weren't negotiating with anybody except the Raiders. Um, you know, you had the Jets trying to get him. Apparently the Packers were 
uh, kicked the tires on possibility of Tyreek Hill, if you believe the rumors. Um, so the Chiefs had – and if the Packers opened the trade up to anybody, I'm sure um, they would have had a lot of competition for Devontae. But I think they wanted to be respectful to Devontae. They knew Devontae's intentions, and he's probably only going to uh, sign an extension with the Raiders, which was going to extremely limit um, what you could get in return for a trade. So could the Packers got more from for Devontae? Possibly, but I think uh, they did it out of respect for Devontae and also knowing that it was probably going to get the best they were going to get is from the Raiders. Um, but Devontae's traded. Um, as I said, I was shocked like anybody else. Was not expecting Devontae to get traded. I I was expecting him to eventually play on the franchise tag if it all push came to shove. I know he said he wouldn't, but that's kind of what I was more expecting. Um, but he probably figured he played this past year and the last year of his contract going all out, even coming back into a game after a uh, a hit to the head that should have been a penalty. He still came back in after that and continued to play against San Francisco in the regular season and ended up winning the game for Green Bay. So maybe Devontae was like, you know what? I put I risked myself last season. Um, I'm not doing that again this season. So, but just my quick thoughts on Devontae. Um, but now the question is, what does Green Bay do now? The Chiefs were very quick to sign MVS following the trade of uh, Tyree Kill. The Packers are looking to bring him back um, following Devontae trade. But Packers are only going to, I think, give him a one-year contract. He wanted a little bit more job security. He ended up signing for a three-year deal in Kansas City, which I'm fine with. I like MVS the person, but he's a guy I think you could do better than, and now we get to see if that's the case. So, But now the Packers have a lot to work to do to get this room um, up to par so the Packers can hopefully compete for a Super Bowl in 2022. So what are the Packers' options? So here's my top choice. Okay, this is my top choice. He has not been tied to Green Bay in any ways. But my top choice right now in the wide receiving room is Julio Jones. And here, and I know what you're thinking. I know you're uh, like, why he can't stay healthy? What's the point? Um, he hasn't played a full season in a while. But, but hear me out for a minute. When the Packers signed Charles Woodson... All the same things that are being said about Julio Jones was also said about Charles Woodson. And I, I think I don't think Charles Woodson missed many games as a Packer early on. I think his last year in Green Bay he did. Um, but he was a really good Packer for a very long time. And I think Julio Jones could be that guy on offense. You look at his numbers last year in 10 games. He had 31 receptions for 434 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's not quite Julio per se, but injury issues, but he has um, 879 career receptions in, in the NFL, um, 848 of them with the uh, Atlanta Falcons during his 10-year career. The thing is, you bring, if you, so Julio Jones, yes, he's 33, but his number is dropping. His salary demand is likely dropping by the day. So you get Julio in for a one- or two-year deal, add some void years, minimize a cap hit in 2022, stretch it out with some void years or voidable years in 2023 and 2024, and Julio has a lot to prove. He wants to continue to play in the NFL and probably get paid. 
So he spends a year playing with Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's likely going to probably get paid because Rodgers is a guy he need. He's probably going to lock in on him and uh, take advantage of having Julio Jones. My thing is, I don't want the Packers have two first round picks. I don't want to use either of them personally to bring in a veteran. So that's why I want to go the the I want to go the um, the free agent route. Another guy keep keep your tabs on for Green Bay is Will Fuller. Um, he's and the reason why I bring Will Fuller up because the Packers two years ago at the trade deadline had a lot of interest in him. Um, probably dodged the bullet when they didn't get him because he was suspended for six games shortly after for PED use. Um, but he's a receiver that can, you know, Matt LaFleur talked about he he needs a guy that can stretch the field, take the top off the defense. He averages um, his career um, average 14.7 uh, yards per reception in Houston. He was at 14.9. Um, he averaged 16.6 yards per reception his last year playing in Houston. He's averaged uh, 15.7 yards per reception, 15.1 yards per reception. Um, yeah, he's never had a 1,000-yard season, but he's still relatively young at 27. He, as I mentioned, can stretch the field. It does come with risks. As I mentioned, he did have a six-game suspension for PED use two years ago. Um, so that's obviously a concern. Um, if he gets suspended once again, he could miss the entire season, and now you're wasting money on somebody that's not available. And availability is a big thing. And he's had some injury concerns too. He's never played in all 16 games in a season. Uh, a, a, a career high is rookie year of 14 games, but he's played in 10, 7, 11, 11, and 2. Obviously, con- some injury concerns, but he's a guy that's damaged goods. Again, sign him to a shorter contract, two to three year deal, um, make it incentive based, and he's a guy that try, might want to make a big payday yet, and a big a big year in Green Bay could do that. And as I mentioned, he's a deep threat who can take the top off the defense. Uh, he had eight touchdowns in twenty twenty. He had seven in twenty seventeen. Uh, he, he's he's a guy that I I think the Packers could potentially bring in. And then you got Jamison Crowder, and I bring him up because those are my those are my guys in the free agent market that I would prefer. The issue with Jamison Crowder is he is not very big. He's 5'9", 177 uh, pounds. And his career, he's got 409 catches for 4,607 4, uh, 4, yards. But he's another guy that's young, um, been in the league since 2015. So, I, you know, I guess, I'm sorry, he's not that young. And he's probably more of a slot guy. And you have uh, your slot guy already in in Randall Cobb and likely Amari Rogers. So you're you really need another guy, but he's the guy I like too. Other free agents available currently is Jarvis Landry, who's been uh, a guy that's been struggling with injuries as well. Will uh, uh, sorry T T Y Hilton, who's getting up there in age, A J Green, and. Odell Beckham, and if you bring in Odell Beckham, you're likely not going to have him for a good chunk of the season due to his torn ACL in the Super Bowl. So I guess the the point I'm trying to make is in the free agency free agency route, there's a lot of risks. Out of that group, Julio Jones is my favorite because he's a guy that's proven when healthy 
he can be a difference maker as he's had a thousand yards, fifteen hundred yards, eighteen hundred yards, fourteen hundred yards, fourteen hundred yards, sixteen hundred yards, thirteen hundred yards. Um, he's a guy that can make a lot of catches and a lot of yards. So he definitely would be a, an upgrade with what you currently have. The Packers could always go the trade route. Two names being thrown around right now are DK Metcalf, which I think would cost you a lot. Plus, he's going in the last year of his contract, so you would have to extend him. And you're likely going to have to pay him Devontae Adams-type money or a little bit less. And if you're not, if you weren't willing to um, or if you had concerns on signing Devontae Adams to that big of a contract, DK Metcalf's a guy that has consistency issues. He, he doesn't seem to give his full effort all the time. That's a concern to me. And then Tyler Lockett, he's the other potential trade piece. If I'm going to trade for a guy, which I don't want necessarily want to, especially either of my first round picks, TJ, Tyler Lockett is the guy I would go um, in, 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 trade-wise. And obviously the Packers have the NFL draft. They got two, um, two first round pick, first round draft picks now in the NFL draft. And they have a lot of different routes they can go at wide receiver. They could go with wide receiver in the first round. And this is a very deep class. And some of my favorites to keep an eye on, um, who may or may not be around at 22, if the Packers do decide to finally draft a wide receiver in the first round for the first time since 2020, 2004, Drake London out of USC, um, 6'4", 219, typically your, your typical receiver that, that the Packers seem to have looked for right now. Bigger guy, can block, he can run. Um, great athlete. He had 88 catches for 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns in just eight games before season-ending injury. Um, he can has a wide radius to catch the ball, and he's consistent with it too. Suffered a broken ankle in October. Likely not going to be an issue come training camp. Um, Chris o Olave, uh, six foot 187, doesn't really fit the Packers' mold, but he's a guy that can uh, – do great after the catch. His career was 15.4 yards per catch. He had a school record 35 touchdowns. And he he's a great route runner. He's shown that he could run great routes. And he's shown that he can uh, he can run fast. He can run fast in and out of his breaks. And he's a guy that can set uh, push, uh, push the defense a little bit, opening things up underneath. Other guy to keep an eye on, George Pickens, 6'3", 195, out of Georgia. Um, had 39, 49 catches for 727 yards and eight touchdowns in 2019 and missed most of 2021 with a torn ACL, came back for the national championship game. He's a guy I like. Other guys I like, uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, 6'4", 208. He may not be a guy that's going to dominate immediately, and I know you need guys that can perform right away at this point. Uh, but he's a guy that has good speed um, and athleticism, and he's a good blocker, and he averaged 20.4 yards per reception in his career, and he's returned a pair of kickoffs for a score in 2020. So you have a guy that can potentially return kicks for you, and you got a guy who's big, fast, and can run. Jalen Tolbert out of Alabama, he'll be a second or third round pick. He's a speed demon for you. Um, other guys I like um, later on, if John uh, Machechi, who uh, tore his ACL, if he's available in the second or third round, he's a guy I look for. Uh, Alec Pierce, 6'3", 211 out of Cincinnati. 
He looks like he's a faster version of Jordy Nelson. Um, tested great at the combine, in and out of his breaks extremely well. Uh, Wendell Robinson, he's a smaller guy, likely going to be more of a slot guy, but I like him. And guy I'm on the fence on, well, I do like Sky Moore from Western Michigan as well. 5'11", 195. Um, he, he can catch. He can run. He had 20, uh, 26 broken tackles after the catch, um, which led FBS wide receivers last season. Another guy I li- I'm i torn on is Traylon Burks. Big guy, 6'2", 225, but he didn't run as fast as people were hoping. And I know the 40 times, not the end-all, be-all. It's just a, a tool. Uh, but I, I'm i kind of torn on him if I would take him in the first round or not. But ultimately, the Packers have two picks in the first round. They could go wide, double wide receiver, or they could go best player available and wide receiver, or they could not take a wide receiver, period, which I am here for the Twitter meltdown if after 22 and 28 passes by, the Packers don't take a wide receiver. I am, I'm ready for that Twitter meltdown. The reason why I say that, the reason why I feel that way is a lot of the national writers, some of the, my local people, seem to think that the Packers are have no plan whatsoever. It's danger zone time, and they pretty much got rid of Devontae Adams with no plan in place. I'm pretty confident that um, Brian Gutenkust has a plan in place. I, I'm fairly confident that he does. NFL front offices look at every potential situation that might arise uh, for free agency before they execute it. I'm sure they had a plan in place in case they don't bring back Devontae Adams. So now we can see what that plan is. Just because we're not hearing rumors about it nonstop in the media, uh, what the, what are the Packers doing, who they're talking to, who have they brought in, doesn't mean they're not talking to people, doesn't mean they're not you know, figuring that out. Hell, for all we know, maybe they've had Will Fuller in the Green Bay with contract negotiations already. Maybe they've already done that. Remember when Julius Pe- – I know it's a different front office for the most part, except for Goot, Goot was there. But when Julius Pepper signed with Green Bay, he he posts on his his uh, social media pictures of him signing the contract, and then Lambo. Nobody had Julius Peppers to Green Bay prior to that. When Woodson signed with Green Bay, nobody had Charles Woodson to Green Bay prior to Charles Woodson signing in Green Bay. So the point I'm trying to make is just because we haven't seen folks coming in to talk to negotiate to bring in doesn't mean they're not doing anything and. My guess is they're probably waiting for the price to drop for a guy like a Julio Jones or a Will Fuller. The the no no crap Sherlock um, of the day I saw the earlier from somebody that loves per, per sources every time they tweet tweet even if it came from Matt Lafleur's mouth himself per sources commented that they're talking to other um, NFL teams in the front office to uh, see. Uh, what veteran receivers are available. Or, duh, they're doing their job. They're doing their homework. So, after the draft, the Packers will have more guys in the wide receiver room. They will. They will have more bodies in the wide receiver room. They'll have a couple rookies, 
and they'll have a couple veterans. Now, I, I do have some concern because since Devontae Adams is drafted, the Packers don't have the best track record of drafting guys. Um, EQ, I, I'm a big, I like EQ. I'm a big EQ guy. He's now in Chicago. He never really panned out due to injuries. MVS, never consistent. Injuries were an issue. Moore, who they drafted the same year as the other two I just mentioned first, he's out of the league. Uh, Malachi Dupree, I think that was his name, that name ring a bell. He didn't survive. So they've thrown, they've they've attempted to bring more bodies into the wide receiver room, but it hasn't really worked out. Uh, Lazard being probably the best guy they've brought into the wide receiver room since Devontae Adams. So I do have some concern there. I trust the Packers front office. I trust Gutenkust on their plan, but I do worry a little bit that they're going to pick the wrong guy. That's just a worry I have. And other areas the Packers need to focus on in the draft too. So if they don't take a wide receiver in the first round, again, I can't wait for the social media explosion if that happens. But other potential guys they need to take a look at is they need more defensive line help. Dean Lowry, great year last year, but they need more body. Uh, Slayton, uh, Reed, uh, Kenny Clark, those three mixed with Lowry and another guy, that could be a great room. Or you can always let Lowry go if you draft a top-notch D lineman in this year's draft. You can always let Dean Lowry go, and you save, your sex, save yourself um, $6 million. Edge position. I know they got Preston Smith back. I know they got Rashawn Gary, who's uh, finally looking, or not finally, but he's looking like the guy who who I thought he would be when they drafted him. I was high on Gary after they drafted him. You still need depth. You don't have anything behind those two. And this is a draft that has a lot of good edge rushers. Um, they also could use another linebacker. Chris Barnes and uh, Campbell are really the only two guys they have. Do you really trust uh, McDuffie? who didn't really show much as a rookie when he had opportunities, pretty much a lot of opportunities due to injuries and then special teams play or Ty Summers. Do you really trust those two? You definitely need to improve that room. Offensive tackle. They lost Billy Turner. I know you got Yash Nyman. Uh, they can put, uh, kick out the right tackle out in Jenkins. Eventually could play right tackle if you need, but you need more depth and Jenkins is going into last year of his contract. He may play himself out of Green Bay, and you could use safety help. Uh, I like Savage, but he's inconsistent. You hope that year two in this defensive scheme of Joe Barry, he can take that next step, but he did not have a good year in 2022. Uh, He started to come on strong at the end of 2021. And 2020, after he hurt his ankle, he didn't play that well then. Ultimately, you got to have a contingency plan in place in case Savage doesn't take that next step. And Adrian Amos, probably in the last his last year in Green Bay as well. So you got to start planning for the future. Not saying you take a safety or offensive tackle or linebacker in the first round, but you could definitely look at edge and look at defensive line in the first round as well. <clears throat> Again, wide receiver, everyone thinks they're going to go, hence why don't really think they're going to go that route, to be honest. And if they do, great. If not, I'm ready for the the chaos that's going to uh, happen. And then Matt LaFleur comments, and his first couple years in Green Bay, Matt LaFleur has relatively been quiet. 
um, when it comes to personnel stuff. He lets Gooch do his job, but he's commenting that they're going to have to add, uh, they have significant issues at wide receiver, and they're going to have to add uh, some speed to that wide receiver room. And anybody with half a brain knows that they we've wanted more speed in that wide receiving room for a while. Devontae, as great as he was, is more of a possession guy and a great route runner. He wasn't a guy that's going to kill you with speed. Lazard's not a guy that's going to kill you with speed. MVS was inconsistent. You need more speed, though, than just one guy. So that's an obvious. But I'm wondering why LaFleur now is coming out, speaking out on what he wants in with his roster, what he wants in his wide receiver room. I'm curious on the why now. Why not last year? Why not the year before? Why now? Is it because you liked what you had or you didn't feel you had the place to really speak out because Gutenkoos wasn't listening anyways? And after the fiasco with Rodgers, maybe you feel you have a little bit more say and what you're looking for. I I think LaFleur is just more comfortable. Uh, I think he's more comfortable telling Goot what he wants. And it's great to see that. And it's great to have that. But just something that kind of made me think a little bit. Bucks. So first of all, last night we had MVP versus MVP. Joel Embiid versus Giannis. Uh, two of the top MVP candidates in the 2022 season. Giannis definitely got the best of Embiid. Uh, the block to pretty much seal the game. He took over the fourth quarter, um, uh, part of the third. The Bucks finally won a third quarter after, I think it's been a while since they've won a third. They finally won a third quarter, which kind of propelled them to victory. The Bucks clawed and fought their way back. They had a solid start. They crapped the bed in the second. They kept it within striking distance in the third and they they uh clawed one out uh in the fourth winning the fourth quarter 37-27 and i i said this a couple weeks ago and i'll say it again i don't understand why Giannis is not getting the mvp love anymore and he really even when he won the award um to be honest he wasn't getting much love for MVP. The first year he won it, it was all about Harden should have won it. Um, a lot of people were commenting his second year in a row he won it. A lot of people were trying to give it to Kobe, not Kobe, I'm sorry, LeBron James, basically because he was old and Kobe died. And LeBron starts talking about how it's uh, – how it's a, uh, they're not winning it on merit, they're winning it on other things, where the reason why people felt LeBron should win was because Kobe died and he was old. But you have Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, as your likely top three in the MVP right now. But for the most part, all you ever hear talked about is Jokic, and Embiid, and I'm not saying that Jokic isn't uh, MVP worthy, but I I put Giannis ahead of Jokic in the MVP race for the fact that I I think we've seen time and time again um, the Bucks 
play much better with Giannis than without him. And the Nuggets, they're currently six in the East in the Western Conference at 45 and 31. I I don't know. I, I just I just think Giannis deserves more more respect for it. My biggest concerns with the Bucks going into the playoffs, we've all and we've all seen it, is their third quarter. They tend to struggle in the third. The last two games, they struggled in the second. But the third quarter has been an issue. They seem to come out of the locker room flat after halftime. That's something that needs to stop. And injuries would be key, too. Because when Giannis, Drew, and Middleton all Giannis, yeah, Giannis, Drew, Holiday, and Middleton all play, I, don't th- I can't think of too many teams that can beat Milwaukee. But with one of them is out of the lineup, they're more beatable, especially if Holiday is the one out of the lineup. They're very beatable. But I like the Bucks' chances. I, I like their their chances in the playoffs against anybody in the Eastern Conference when they have their big three. Lopez being back too is huge as well. The bench is the bench is better with Lopez back because now you have Bobby Portis coming off the bench, and you have Pat Connaughton back from injury. Wes Matthews, who yes, he's limited, but he's better in limited role. Which I know he started yesterday. That was more for defense. Um, but Wes Matthews is better in limited role. George Hill is better in a limited role. Carter has been extremely good since they traded for him. I've really enjoyed watching what Carter's done for this team. The Bucks bench is fine. Uh, with Lopez, with their starting five, or I, with uh, Lopez, Giannis, Middleton, Drew, and Grayson Allen, sometimes Wes, depending on matchups, your bench is fine when you have that five in, when you have to start Bobby Portis, when you have to start Pat C, when you have to start, you know, name, you know, Wes Matthews, now you're taking guys away from the bench. Serge Ubaka has been playing really well uh, recently as, as well. He has a nice depth off the bench. And you know, come playoff time, they're going to shorten the bench anyways. You're going to have your starting five, and then you're probably going to have Bobby Portis, depending on matchups. He's better against some than others. Pat Connaughton, regardless of who you play. Uh, Carter, possibility. That's eight. And then you got Urbaca, depending on the matchups. Uh, Bucks are probably going to go about probably eight deep in the playoffs, maybe nine, depending on the series. So don't worry too much about the bench. Spring training well underway in Milwaukee. Brewers took a tough loss today against San Diego, but I'm very high on this Brewer team. And I know they didn't do a lot in the offseason, but I'm really high. I think uh, Wenfro is a huge addition to this team in the outfield. He's going to add a huge bat. I think Andrew McCutcheon, his leadership and his defense is going to be huge for Milwaukee. He had his first two home runs as a Brewer on Saturday. Um, the first call you can hear on 620 WTMJ's Twitter page. Um, Bob Euchre calling McCutcheon's first home run as a Brewer. I think that's an under underrated signing. The pitching staff for Milwaukee is still excellent. Uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodworth, Freddie Peralta, your top three. Then you have Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, um, next two up. And they have other uh, things they can do too. The bullpen's going to be good again. Devin Devin Williams and Josh Hader to, to close it out in the eighth and the ninth. Boxberger there to be, you know, your sixth or seventh inning guy. And I'm fine with the bullpen. And 
I'm not going to sit here and say Christian Yalich should be back to his MVP winning form where he won batting title. He should have been a two time, two years in a row MVP, but his injury in September probably derailed that from him happen from that happening. But I think Christian Yelich should take a huge jump as long as that back is healthy. That back was bad all last year. And that COVID year, he had some issues with that back. But he's been working all offseason to strengthen up that back from everything I've read and observed. He's been working hard. And if that back holds up, I think he's a guy that can have a nice bounce back year. If he can bat around 280, 270, 280 with 25 home runs, That'll be huge, and I think that's what we're going to see from Christian Yelich. I think he's going to bounce back huge, and I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I think uh, Keston Hira is finally going to bounce back to his rookie form. He's had two very tough years in a row after a hot start his rookie year. Uh, Faced adversity for the first time uh, since being drafted by Milwaukee. Things seem to have come easy for him at every level. In the last two years, he's struggled, and he looks really good so far this spring and i think he's a guy that can carry it over to uh to the regular season as well so i think the brewers finish with 94 wins they win the division easy um and we'll go from there and finally i don't want to keep you all much longer wrestlemania wwe wrestlemania happening and I'm excited for it. I, as I mentioned, I don't watch a ton of wrestling anymore. But I am a... I do enjoy watching WrestleMania. I do enjoy watching like Royal Rumble and um, those kinds of things. Sorry, I had my WrestleMania card up. And for some reason, it went away. So... Let me pull that card back up. But like I said, I'm excited for it. Um, As of now, and they, well, first of all, I I think it's great that they now have it a two day event, um, Saturday, Sunday, instead of doing everything Sunday. So you're basically in the arena for 10 hours practically with the, the opening matches, the main, you know, whatever. You're there for almost 10 hours, and you can feel as the as the card draw, draws on, there's a lot of lack of energy moving forward. I think moving it to a two-day event is good. I hope they continue. Uh, the Raw Day 1 matches, you have the Raw Women's Champion with Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. I think that's going to be a great match if they give it the opportunity to be a great match. The last time we saw those two in a... In a fight, Bianca Belair got squashed at SummerSlam with the with the returning Becky Lynch. I think if they give this match time, this is going to be one of the best matches of the night. I like both are really skilled in ring. They both put on great matches. They both know how to tell a story. Hence, Bianca cutting Becky's hair off um, after Becky tried cutting Bianca's hair after she got uh, her you-know-what beat. With the, with the big old ponytail that Bianca has. The Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios, probably one of my least favorite matches of the night uh, currently. I you, you do bring guys like Logan Paul and Johnny Knoxville, which I'll get to in a moment in for WrestleMania. It's just part of the thing. You have the celebrity power. I just, I'm not a big fan of this match. 
Um, I'm just I, I I'm just not a big fan of this match. So Logan Paul, who will basically do anything for money, YouTube sensation, who thinks he's a boxer. If he actually was in a legit boxing match, he'd get his ass beat. But his match with Floyd Mayweather is for the money, and Mayweather will do anything for money too. So it wasn't really a legit fight to me. And I'm just, it's like it's one of my least favorite matches on, on the card. Seth Rollins versus To Be Announced, which up until yesterday, I was with this. Most people are thinking it's going to be uh, Cody Rhodes coming back. Cody Rhodes is returning after going to AEW. That's going to be the opponent. I've now seen that Shane McMahon is going to be be in Dallas for WrestleMania. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows what he's doing yet. But I have a, a odd feeling, a weird feeling, that it's going to be Seth Rollins versus Shane McMahon or Mania. That that's my concern. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it is Cody, but I think it could be Shane. Seth Rollins versus Shane. Who wants to see that? Nobody. But. Can't be WrestleMania without Shane jumping off something really high up off the air and busting his, you know what, through a table. Uh, you also have Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin, which should put an end to that feud before McIntyre returns to the championship uh, uh, championship picture. He should beat Happy Corbin pretty easily. The Usos versus Rick Bogues and Shinsuke Nakamura. I think they're going to have the Usos win that one. Charlotte Flair versus Ronda for the SmackDown title. I don't really know what, who's going to win that. I don't know if it's going to be Ronda. I don't know if it's going to be Charlotte. If Ronda's going to be around for a while, I can see them putting the belt on Ronda. But ultimately, I think they're going to have Flair get a WrestleMania moment by getting the victory over Ronda Rousey. And then you have Stone Cold Steve Austin on the KO show, hosted by Kevin Owens. Don't know what's going to happen. Could they just could they have a, a brawl? Possibly. Could it be an impromptu match like we saw The Rock and one of the <coughs> old Wyatt family guys, Redbeard? Um, he goes by now. Could we see that type of thing happen? Possibly. Day two matches. You have Reigns versus Lesnar. Uh, title versus title. The winner is champ, both champions because it looks like they're merging the, uh, the big belt. I think they'll have Reigns win. Uh, you don't build up Reigns the way you've done over the past over a year to have him drop the belt to Lesnar, regardless of how much fun and how funny and fun to watch Brock Lesnar has become. You just don't have that happen. Edge versus AJ Styles. I think we have edge win that one as edge is turning heel. I think that's going to be a feud we see uh, probably through SummerSlam and women's tag matches, Queen Zelina and Carmella versus Naomi and Sasha versus Ripley and Morgan, versus Natalia and Shayna Baszler. I would love to see Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan win. I think that team has been great together. I might be biased because I like both of the both women, but I think that team's been great together. But I think they're going to go with Naomi and Sasha for that one. Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. I think they have Pat McAfee win. I think you're going to see the Raw after Mania, McMahon show up and... Uh, probably go after theory and say he's not, you know, being his mentor anymore. Sammy Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. 
I am not looking forward to that match at all. If anyone can make it a, a rememberable match, it is Sami Zayn. But I like Sami Zayn, and I think what they're doing with Sami Zayn is absolutely ridiculous. He's a guy that can put on great matches night after night. He's great on the mic. But you have him wrestling at Mania versus Johnny Knoxville. Stupid. And then the Raw Take Team Champions, you got RK Bro versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy. I think this could be the night that we see RK Bro break up. Um, maybe the Raw after Mania, but I think we'll see the championship change hands and they're going to set up in uh, Orton versus uh, Riddle feud. And then you have the Hall of Fame, and I'm kind of excited for the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony for the first time in a while. You have The Undertaker, who is being inducted by Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon inducts nobody. You have Vader finally getting into the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, it's after he's passed. Mick Foley's inducting him. Queen Charmel by Booker T. Then you got the Steiner brothers. That one is interesting to me. Scott Steiner in WWE, as last I heard, is still not on the best of terms. So that might make Will Smith's lap look like nothing. And then you have Shad... Uh, Shad... Uh, Gaspard, uh, who passed away uh, saving his son in a uh, potential drowning accident, being inducted as well. So with that, I will get back at you next week. I hope you all have a safe and wonderful rest of your week and weekend. Um, Going to talk, recap WrestleMania, talk more latest on the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks, and I will get back at you later on. Hope you all have a great night.